Yo, 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 what is going on, baby? Nathan Kennedy, the New Money Podcast, episode 36, handpicked stocks versus index funds and ETFs. What should I invest in? How y'all doing, man? Hope you guys are enjoying your beautiful ass weekends. Coming to you on a lovely Sunday. As usual, my friends, reach out to me at any time on Instagram. Ask me some questions. You got anything on your mind? Let me know. Also, I actually recently started up a free sort of consulting uh, side project that I, I kind of just want to take on. And, and essentially, it's it's money coaching and, and me working with you one on one. And we can just have a uh, conversation about where you're at and where you want to go. And uh, super light, uh, somewhat informal and absolutely free. Um, but I want to sort of work that muscle, see what that world is like and, and help some of you guys one on one. I think it would be uh, really awesome. So if that's something that interests you at all. Let me know, reach out to me, uh, ask me anything you want. Also, would love if you guys enjoy the show, leave a little review, really helps the show out there. Have to say that every time, I'm sorry. <laughs> so today what I wanna do is compare and contrast a hotly debated topic in the world of investing. Should I handpick my companies and do some analysis on them or should I just buy index funds that represent the market and fucking chill? Is that what I should do? Well. Personally, I have my opinions and I've made them clear in past episodes, but I'll try to be very neutral for the majority of this episode as best as I can and give my more opinionated part near the end. So without further ado, let's just dive on into it, baby. So firstly, I kind of just want to ground the conversation with the terminology. So if you haven't looked into this stuff too much, if this is the first time you're listening to me chat about this, then you'll have a better idea of the terms in this episode. So an index fund is a pooled investment vehicle investment vehicle just meeting something that you can invest in attempts to earn you money right and it's managed by a money management professional they are passively managed meaning they simply track an index that is comprised of a ton of different companies what the hell does that mean basically when you get an index fund or buy into an index fund you're getting a piece of the stock market pie right and the slice that you get of the stock market that's comprised of a ton of different little tiny slices and those tiny little slices are the companies in effect, investors who buy shares of an index fund own shares of stock in dozens, hundreds, and even thousands of different companies indirectly. Index funds are typically much less expensive than mutual funds, as mutual funds are similar, but they deploy what is known as active management, which means the firm essentially handpicks the stocks in the pie. Because of this, they charge way more. But between me and you, they usually underperform a lot of the index funds. Now, an ETF is probably what you'll end up buying, and it's basically the same concept of an index fund as they represent a basket of stocks but they are traded on an exchange just like stocks so you can buy and sell them freely just like stocks they're essentially stocks that represent a bunch of different stocks that's the best way to explain it so again etfs index funds whatever they're a slice of the pie and that slice has a ton of different slices within it now handpicking stocks is exactly what it sounds like you look at a specific company you do an analysis on their potential their earnings history upside downside etc understand the company as best as you can and if they look good then you invest in their specific stock so why don't i just get good at analyzing these companies and buy ones that look really good to me and make a ton of money because i did my research well let's get into the pros and cons of both 
and we will revisit this question. Also, if I didn't say this earlier, a passively managed fund is a fund whose investments are chosen not because it's handpicked or it's you know at the whim of a portfolio manager, but it's automatically selected to match a specific index, which for example, could be the S&P 500, the top 500 companies in the United States automatically weighted. You don't need to think it's just, you just make the fund to match the specific index. Actively managed again is handpicked stocks by a portfolio manager that is trying to beat the market. So what are some of the pros of indexing, right? Let's just call it the indexing strategy, right? ETFs, index funds, whatever. Just basically passive management represents the whole market kind of deal. Someone who is investing in index funds is getting the market return, which is very hard to beat in the long run with little to no work. I mean, you do your work up front, you understand it, you learn it, but then on the back end, it's there's not much work at all. Someone who invests in an index is saying, quote, I know I'll miss the full upside of Tesla's and Beyond Meats and, you know, the wonder stocks of the world, but I'll also avoid, you know, the Enrons of the world, the WorldComs, you know, companies that are going to go bankrupt. I'm going to miss that, right? So my upside is limited, but my downside is limited as well. I want to make money from corporate America by becoming part owner of the whole goddamn thing. My only goal is to earn a decent rate of return on my money so it will grow over time. I don't want to read annual reports or quarterly results and I don't want to do all this freaking work because I certainly don't have the ambition to understand advanced finance and I don't want to put in all that work. I just want to create wealth for myself sustainably while living my life. Sounds like a pretty decent strategy. Sounds like the majority of what we would think, right? That's probably what we would want. Statistically speaking, 50% of stocks must be below average and 50% of stocks must be above average. Intuitively, that just makes sense, right? Average is 50%. So half the companies are going to be better. Half of them are going to be worse. It's why so many index fund investors are so passionate about passive index fund investing. They don't have to spend more than a few hours each year looking over their portfolio. Whereas a stock investor in individual companies needs to be familiar with the company's business, its income statements, balance sheets, financial ratios strategy, management, like all this kind of stuff, you really got to be in tune with it, right? Also, a top performing active manager, somebody who's handpicking stocks if they're you know, running a, a fund for themselves, they might see a lot of success in the early years, right? It might beat the market for the first few years, you know, which is going to attract more investors. But then after a while, those above average returns are inevitably going to revert to the market or they're going to be below average. There are only a number of people who sustainably have beaten the market over the long term. And even those guys are the same guys, like Warren Buffett's of the world telling you, you should just fucking buy an index fund. You should probably just do that, right? Because it's very hard to beat the market. By the time most investors discover a top performing mutual fund or hedge fund, etc., they've missed the above average returns. You rarely capture the best returns because you've invested based on past performance. Another pro of index funds is typically they're pretty inexpensive. They're a hell of a lot cheaper than actively managed funds and the constant buying and selling of stocks could lead you to, you know, incur a good amount of expenses, right? So it, it really depends if you're not, you know, buying and selling stocks too, too much, then it might be cheaper than index funds. But regardless, it's very inexpensive in general. Another pro of index funds is there's fewer trading decisions. Instead of doing a lot of research to try and figure out what stocks to invest in to grow your wealth, 
index funds do all the work for you. It's a one decision investment. Instead of trying to pick what companies are going to be winners, just buy the index. Index funds allow you to dodge company specific risk that can drag down your portfolio's return considerably. Even if you wanted to get a little bit more specific and you think uh, pharmaceutical stocks are a good play right now, but you're not sure which ones to buy, you can literally just buy the entire sector and get a pharma ETF or an index fund that represents pharmaceutical companies, right? For me, I legit have a tech ETF and a medical devices ETF that buys a ton of companies in those specific sectors. That way, yes, my upside is going to be limited because I don't have that much exposure to the winners, but I'm assuring the return of that sector, which I am more than okay with. Also, I saw a quote by a wealth manager named Tony Ogarek when I was doing some research for this episode, and I really liked what he said, and I wanted to share it. He said that indexing strategies could lead to fewer panic or emotion-driven trading decisions leading to better returns. The problem is that most people look at stocks as a way to make money, but people look at index funds as a way to create wealth. If you have an index fund, it diminishes the odds that you'll fall in love with a stock and you're going to make a million dollars or whatever. And, you know, it's going to remove that emotional element from the investing equation, which is always a very very important aspect you don't want to be buying and selling and buying and selling and trading right with your strategy you want to be consistent and continue to buy and buy and buy in right it's you can't be all over the place or you're just not going to get a good return there are several more pros but essentially indexing etfs index funds all that is a strategy that requires little effort gives you the return on investment of the market which is very hard to beat and overall it's a very straightforward strategy some think it's an absolute no-brainer but let's talk about some of the cons of an indexing strategy so investment decisions on index funds must be made within the constraints of matching the index returns for instance if the return in an index are declining strongly index fund managers have little to no options to limit the losses they kind of just have to go with the market right go with the index in contrast managers of an actively managed fund have more flexibility to act to find better performing options in good times and bad so there's more flexibility with active management or if you're your own active manager if you have a few companies right you can move freely i mean i don't think that's a great strategy because you don't want to be too active because it eventually it'll just dilute your returns because you're jumpy you're too jumpy but you know that is a con that there is limited flexibility there also an index fund does not carry the potential to outpace the market the way a managed fund or you managing your funds potentially could this means that if you invest in an index fund you are surrendering the possibility of a massive gain you might be able to handpick stocks and crush it for two three maybe even four years or extended right who knows how long you could keep going but eventually you know it's likely that you're going to have some down years and it's going to sort of average around the market's return it might be a bit better it might be a bit worse it's probably going to be a bit worse and the last sort of con i want to touch on here there is an idea out there that index fund might be creating a bubble within the market what this means is that these funds are propping up stocks value making them overpriced to what their actual value is and they're actually diluting price discovery if you don't know what that means that's totally fine that is beyond the scope of this podcast i don't really want to focus on it too much personally i don't think that argument has much weight as if passive investing gets too influential then smart active managers will exploit that problem and those sort of inefficiencies will balance themselves out in the long term okay so i'm trying my best not to let my biases come out but they clearly have 
as I'm kind of talking. So I'm, I'm really trying to, I'm gonna try to <laughs> just save it for the end. But yeah, let's talk about handpicking. Let's talk about picking your own stocks, right? So industries or situations where there is a wide range of returns or instances in which the ratios and other forms of fundamental analysis could be used to spot a mispricing. This offers stock pickers an opportunity to exceed expected returns. So what does all that mumbo jumbo mean? Basically, if you pick an industry where companies are all over the place and you might be able to find a company that is getting overlooked and it is way too cheap for how valuable it actually is and you can calculate that and you can figure that out, then you know, being a what is known as a value investor could be very, very advantageous if you're able to spot that. Based on your research and experience, maybe you have good insight into how well a company is performing. This insight gives you an advantage that you can use to lower your risk and achieve a better return. Good research can create value-added investment opportunities rewarding the stock investor. The retail industry is one group in particular that stock picking might offer better opportunities than buying an ETF that covers that specific sector. Companies in the sector tend to have a wide dispersion of returns based on the particular products they carry. This may create an opportunity for you know the keen and insightful stock picker to do well. For example, let's say that you recently noticed that your daughter and her friends prefer a particular retailer. Let's say Nordstrom, right? Let's say that you know they're, they're just always at Nordstrom, fucking always talking about Nordstrom. What's this Nordstrom thing? So you, you know look into it and you're like okay further research you find that Nordstrom has upgraded its stores and has hired a new product management staff and this has led to a recent rollout of new products that have caught the eye of your daughter's age group so far the market has not noticed nobody's paying attention to Nordstrom I mean Nordstrom's not a good example because they're a huge fucking company but let's just for the sake of this argument say uh, Nordstrom nobody's nobody's people sleeping on Nordstrom nobody knows about it right this type of perspective and your research might actually give you an edge in picking the stock over buying the retail ETF. Company insight through a legal or sociological perspective may provide investment opportunities that are not immediately captured in the market's prices. When such an environment is determined for a particular sector and where there is much return dispersion, dispersion just meaning that it's all over the fucking place, single stock investments can provide a higher return than a diversified, more indexing approach. Furthermore, by buying undervalued companies, you're deploying a value investing approach, as I said earlier. If you calculate that it's significantly underpriced, you're essentially giving yourself a margin of safety. A margin of safety is a principle of investing in which an investor only purchases securities when their market prices is significantly below their intrinsic value. In other words, when the market price of a security or stock is significantly below your estimation of its actual intrinsic value based on your analysis that you've done, the difference is the margin of safety. Because investors may set a margin of safety in accordance with their own risk preferences, buying securities when this difference is present allows an investment to be made with minimal downside risk. A margin of safety essentially is a built-in cushion, allowing for some losses to be incurred without a major negative effect. So basically, if you learn how to do legit fundamental analysis of a stock, you're ambitious, you're hustling, and you learn how to size up a company and see if they're undervalued, or maybe you work in a specific industry with a great deal of expertise, you may be able to hit it big somewhat consistently if you deploy a strategy to find undervalued stocks with a decent margin of safety. So some cons of handpicking, there are quite a few. So number one, you're very unlikely to beat the stock market in the long term. 
that's just a fact. There's been countless studies, and I could cite them here, but I mean, this episode's already getting long as it is. There are several instances of actively managed funds that just don't even, they can't even get the market over the long term. And, you know, they might have a few great years that just crush it, right? Like 20, 30%, like just crush it, right? But then they're going to have a down year uh, or losses um, over the years that follow. And uh, oftentimes it's very hard to just beat the market in the long term. Number two, much more work. It's way more work and there's a lot more research and there's a lot more due diligence to invest successfully. If you're not going to put in the work, then you should just get index funds because you can't like you should you should not. And I'll say this. This is an opinion. This is objective. If you're not going to put in the work to research a company, then you have no business handpicking stocks. You really, really don't. Right. You could get away with just buying a regular index fund and not knowing what the fuck's going on because they do the work for you. But with handpicking stocks, you got to put in the work. And that's 100% if you want to do well. Number three, they may have higher costs depending on trading costs and how frequently you're coming in and out, whatever. Number four, there's less diversification. That's a big one. Um, you have a higher exposure because you have less companies. If you say if you have a portfolio of 10 companies and you know one of them goes under, then that's 10% of your portfolio right there. But if you have an index fund that represents 500 companies and that same company goes down, then you you, you know you barely get hit right so your risk is a lot higher and you're more exposed um, when you are handpicking stocks because there's going to be a lower amount of stocks and lastly number five and a very important note here you are much more susceptible to your own emotional judgment which can really fuck you up during tough times right if you're frantic and you let your emotion get into it um, over the long term it's going to sort of seep into your judgment and you know you're gonna mess up right uh, here and there we all mess up in everything um with an index fund strategy it, it it is what it is the market's doing what it's doing you have no control there's no emo i mean you could sell off which would be a bad idea but that's about all you can do you're much more susceptible to emotional judgment when you pick your own stocks it's just a fact um you're your own manager so you're moving your stocks you're trying to make as much money as you can and over the long term that could very well harm your return so it's um it's it's really tough to be a very rational and sound investor over time that's why it's so hard to beat the market so those are some pros and cons of index fund investing and etfs and um, versus single stock picking so what i want to do next is actually just share my thoughts and i mean some of my thoughts are within what we just talked about but you know some of the stuff i, I kind of just want to sound off on it <laughs> so let's just get into it Okay, so what do I think? I think for most people, exchange-traded funds, index funds is the way to go. I think that it's simple. Um, I recommend that people try to understand their investments and uh, learn about what sort of index funds they want to buy into or whatever exchange-traded funds they want to buy into. I think um, that blindly buying any investment is a bad idea, but I think given how little effort you have to sustain over time, um, how conducive it is to everyday life of you just buying in, buying in, buying in and not having to really worry about anything um, and, you know, effectively getting the best return you can in the long term, more or less, is like it's just straightforward, it just makes sense. Now, there is a lot of merit to handpicking your stocks. I have a lot of buddies that handpick their stocks and they do very well. And, you know, sometimes I wonder, maybe I should, you know, handpick stocks a little bit more. And I mean, I do, but I only do it with money that I'm willing to lose. I wouldn't do it with any of my serious investing money, right? So 
I think over the long term, we'll see how some of my friends do and we'll see how some people do. And maybe there is a, a, a number of people, a number of value investors that come out and say, hey, listen, I sustained 20% returns over 20 years and I was able to retire um, relatively early because I literally doubled uh, the market's return. Those anecdotal stories, you're going to hear them, right? And and they might be true. They very well might be true. But for me and you and 98% of people, that's just not going to be the case. And so what I do is I primarily use index funds, exchange rate funds, etc. And I just think that it's just easy. It's just super easy once you understand it and you're committed. So those are my thoughts on it. But I, I also, last thing I want to say, I don't like to see everybody... Like the, I've touched on this topic a lot, um, not not index funds and stuff like that. The bashing and the trashing and the fuck the other side kind of shit with, um, you know, people that handpick their stocks are idiots or index fund investors are is dumb money and they don't understand what they're buying into and this sort of snob mentality of of um, you know one versus the other, which one's better, which one's not, and I think that we would be a lot better off if we just kind of understood both sides i mean in life like fuck like with all the shit that's going on right now in the world i think um that that's why i'm talking about this right now is because i feel like the other side um isn't being heard a lot of times there's a lot of absolutes a lot of tribal mentality um on social media and politics and like everything and money's no different um there's good in both strategies i just think that in my opinion, one is better than the other for most people. But that doesn't mean the other side doesn't have some merit to it. And so I just wanted to leave you guys with that. I think that you should pick the strategy that best suits your needs. And I think that, you know, you shouldn't demonize the other side because there is merit to both sides. Okay, guys, so just going to dive into the new money mailbag. I'm actually going to share a question a friend of mine asked me uh, recently, and she asked me, do I think the student loan moratorium period will be extended for Canada? So moratorium period is Canada said, you know, you don't have to pay your student loans back right now. We're giving you six months interest free, like whatever. We're just going to keep it. So right now, I believe it's September 30th that people will have to start paying back their loans. Uh, interest will start accruing on loans, etc. And and everybody just kind of needs to get back into it. What's going on right now is I believe Parliament's on break, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't looked into it since they made those announcements. But um, I believe there's a lot of changes on the horizon. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if they extended it because the United States, I believe, extended it to January. Uh, their, their, their moratorium period for federal loans. Uh, I think that Canada may follow suit. We're doing a lot better than they are, in my opinion, like we we just are. Um, and so maybe that decision is based on that, is based on reflecting that in the United States. If Canada deems that we're fine and we can get back into it, then, then so be it. We'll get back into it and um, start to have to pay it down. But what do I think? I don't know. I mean, it, it could happen. I could see it happening. I hope it happens. Fuck. But if it doesn't, it is what it is. So... I think the states is hard to compare to because shit's pretty fucked down there still. They've got a lot of bullshit on the horizon with November and the election. So um, it's really hard to see that Canada making a decision based on that specifically. So, yeah, we'll just keep an eye out for it. For my Canadian former students, current students out there listening to this. But, yes, that's it for the New Money Mailbag. And let's just wrap this episode up. So the conclusion, number one, the takeaways, baby, both strategies could work for you. I mean, 
it, they could. They could. It's not as clear cut as some people would have you out to believe, right? Number two, in my opinion, it's just way fucking easier to get some ETFs, buy it consistently, and just fucking chill. That's that's what I think. I think that's way better, and you're getting a solid return. In my opinion, this is purely my opinion. That's what I think. It's just conducive. It just works for people, right? So you could handpick your stocks. That works too, if you know you're willing to put in the fucking work, right? Because that's what it takes. Number three. Regardless of what you do, the most important thing is that you always do your research, understand what you're investing into, and just start, right? Yes, index fund investing is easier, but you still should understand what's going on or how it works and, and just get what's <laughs> have some understanding of what's going on at least, right? Uh, so regardless of what strategy you pick, um, do your research, put in the work, and you're going to have success you know is it going to match the market who knows it depends on what strategy you pick is it going to be better is it going to be worse who knows right at the end of the day the stock market could go to fucking zero at the end of the day the world could end tomorrow nobody knows for sure right so i can't sit here with confidence and say that active management is objectively worse than passive management i i can't say that i i have an opinion on that but i can't say that that's for sure so it's up to you but yeah, that's pretty much it. So guys, thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of the episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate every single person that listens to this podcast and listens to me ramble on about financing and investing and money and all that because this is my shit. And um, I hope it's your shit too if you're still listening to this uh, because it's uh, so fun for me to talk about. I hope you enjoy this episode half as much as I enjoyed making it for you. I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. But for now, I'm out this mother. Peace. Peace.